hear those three letters, your day just got better. And wherever you are, whatever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to ELC. Woo! Especially if you're one of our geeks and snakes, using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. Or hey, maybe you're hunkered down, hunkered in, focused, ready, rooting your team on to the big game. Whatever the case, we're going to be in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash DLC pod. They bring the show to you. They are the ones. They are our champions. And in exchange, they get some cool perks, including ad-free episodes of the show, video versions of the show on demand, bonus content in the form of feeling this, the bonus show where Christian Spicer and Alex Solman talk about the feelings behind video games. They get the DLC book club in audio form with Lana Bashinsky and myself. They get the Wednesday show, paid DLC, a back and forth convo with the patrons about each week's discussion prompt where Lana Bashinsky joins Christian Spicer and myself. Oh, so much good stuff. They get spoiler casts. The list goes on and on, folks. And you can be a patron by signing up at patreon.com slash DLC pod. But this show, the main show, DLC, we're the show all about games. In their many forums, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, that's spelled with two N's and one T, and I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who knows that I am currently the sports version of Schrodinger's cat. My Super Bowl hopes are both alive and dead in this moment. It's Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian! Hello, Jeff. Hello, everyone. I am just hoping that my team makes it to the little game. I don't think we give enough mm. credit to the little. It's always the big game. Get the new TV for the big game. But as a big fan of the little game. The smallest I, of the games. The, yes. It's a tiny. I mean, you blink and you miss it. Yeah, tiny, yeah. tiny game. So small. <laughs> Maybe they do we even know they played it. It's so small that you could fit it on uh, an NES cart. You know, like that's this how is, small the game is. This is a game on the head of a pin. <laughs> tiny, <laughs> tiny, tiny game, but very important to me. So yes. I'm excited. Well, we all have our, <laughs> our game sizes that we enjoy. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, yes, we are recording uh, a little early in the day so that I can uh, root for my 49ers. Maybe. Maybe I'm the happiest boy right now. Maybe maybe I'm the saddest. You don't know. I did Actually, push to record. Know. I did push to record during the game so we could get and our next Oh, come on. <laughs> oh, a different kind of podcasting experience. Uh, but also interesting. Um but uh yeah, you know, ladies and gentlemen, you know how I'm feeling right now. I do not yet know. Uh hopefully I'm elated. Uh, uh, hopefully uh you know, I Detroit fans, I, I understand you, and I, you know, in any other world, I would be rooting with and for you, uh, not this year. And whoever came out the victor uh, today, I, you know, congratulations. <laughs> I'm being magnanimous now. But hey, but the point of all this that, that I'm saying is that the upshot of us recording early is that we get to have one of our favorite guests back on the show. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, I'm excited because once again, DLC stands for 
dorsal land contributor. Because dorsal is a fin, and from Finland, <laughs> it's the internet's own, our friend Patrick Beja back with us. Hello, Patrick. Hey, it's so nice to be here. Uh, I was listening to the episode a couple of days ago, three days ago, uh, and as I was listening to you talk about something, um, I got a message, and I was driving, and I got a message, and Siri read it out loud, and it was you. <laughs> who were saying, oh, hey, uh, would you like to be on the show? And I was like, yes, I'm going to be able to talk about Pal World and that incredible controversy. And then I kept listening, and you, you had already covered it. And so, <laughs> well, but I already, Hey, it's not you know, going away. We can talk more about uh, it. I, I, I guess. I mm. do like to uh, reach out to people as they're listening, just to correct things <laughs> I've said wrong. You know, yeah, I don't know very, if people... <laughs> It's, I don't it know takes a lot what, of work all week long to call each individual listener. But I, the I data we get as a podcast creator too, like people think like, oh, you get aggregate about numbers, but no, you get like specific. Like Patrick is listening right now. Also, I should say <laughs> hi to Susan in Nebraska. Thank you. Yeah. Hi, and we see if you. If you're listening um, and I have not yet called you, <laughs> just keep listening. Slow it down. Don't no two x speed. Half x speed. You got to uh, give us time. We got to work with everybody. Two will come. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got a we got a lot to get to. There are as as Patrick has indicated, there are some there's some juicy stories, there's some interesting stuff happening in the games world and there's lots of really cool games to discuss. So let's get right into it and start the show the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games. This week, you can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. That's also where you can send comments or questions, anything you'd like us to know. We love hearing from you, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You could also hang out in our Discord and uh, reach out to us and other like-minded listeners by heading over to the Discord 5x5 DLC. Uh, it's a great place, really cool folks hanging out. We urge you to take part, but Patrick, you are our guest. So you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? I can't not go with layoffs at Riot and uh, Blizzard Activision specifically. Mm -hmm. uh, I am close to both of those companies, as I think you also are. You both also are. And I have a lot to say. Uh, some of it might rub people the wrong way a little bit, uh, but I'll, then I'll bring it around. But uh, yeah, I'll let you talk about what's happening there. It's uh... Yes, unfortunately, this is the biggest, one of the biggest stories of the week, and it is yet another uh, depressing example of what is happening in this industry right now. I can't count the number of times over the last year, two years, three years, we've had stories on the show of big layoffs that have made story of the week. There have been even more weeks where we haven't even talked about it because it's become so common. But yes, this week I feel like it hit with such a impact. Uh, nearly 5,000 jobs have already been lost in the video game space. And we're not even out of the first month of 2024. Uh, as you indicated Patrick, it, you know, it, it is two companies, two huge companies that you think are impervious to this kind of thing. Well, evidently, nobody's impervious to this kind of thing. 
And uh, on, on one hand, um, Activision Blizzard, which just got acquired by Microsoft, Microsoft just became the most valuable company in the history of humankind. $3 trillion valuation. It's not like they're hurting for money, one would think. But, uh, and Riot, of course, you know, has a history of printing money and doing well. But this contraction is happening throughout the games industry. And unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be happening at the top of these companies. It happens at the bottom. And we have seen so many uh, friends of ours, people we know, colleagues, associates, uh, people we admire working at these companies, posting on social media that they have been affected. Uh, it's heartbreaking to see this kind of mass layoff happening. Um, Microsoft, or I guess Microsoft, Activision Blizzard uh, laid off 1,900 employees this week. Uh, Riot evidently uh, affecting around 11% of their workforce, 530 roles globally. Uh, we'll get how, to how this is affecting the actual games, which is not insignificant. But of course, it's much more a people issue. And our heart goes out to all the folks affected. Um, our own Lana Bashinsky, you know, friend of the show, part of the DLC family, uh, our paid DLC colleague, she talked about this directly. She works at Riot in a uh, leadership position there. And and used um, to work at Blizzard. And used to work uh, at Blizzard. So Not the um, only one. It's, yeah. Yeah. Well, she, uh, she happily, we'll say, uh, you know, has not been uh, uh, laid off, but members of her team have. And she had this to say uh, on the paid DLC program. I wanted to play this clip um, so that everyone could hear, you know, what, what she's hoping for. Uh, hopefully the reach of this podcast can help some of the folks affected. And I didn't want to just restate it. I want to put it in her own words. So here's Lana. I don't know who's listening. I lost some incredible, incredible people, one of which is on a work visa, which means that if she does not get employment again within the next 60 days, she's going to be deported back to Canada. And I know saying, hey, I need somebody with visa assistance is like, usually employers are like, don't. I'm not listening. Um, but if you are a developer and you're listening to the show and you have a spot, I have just an absolutely amazing, amazing person um, who is a talented and curious and thoughtful and knowledgeable developer, worked on amazing games, God of War, uh, both God of Wars. Um, uh, she's just a, a killer animator. I would love to connect you with her. So please get at me. I'm in the Discord. I'm on the Patreon. I'm on Twitter. My email uh, is on my LinkedIn. Uh, please, please let me know. Patrick, you've also, uh, as you mentioned, uh, been an employee at uh, at Blizzard. Um, tell me about the the people side of this and what it really means, as we've seen this constant, constant yeah. contraction throughout the games industry. So. I, I will get back to the people side of things. And uh, I apologize, I might this answer might be a little bit long-winded. Um, I've been talking about this for a few months uh, at, on my French show, so maybe some people who listen to that might also uh, hear repeats, and I apologize for that. But I'll pref preface this by saying um, I live in Finland and in France, and I am probably, how, you know how left-leaning those two other guys on the podcast are, I'm probably more 
left-leaning because I live in a country that's sane where we have social safety nets. Uh, and I'll get back to that in a second. Um, but I, I want to say that first because I think, first of all, those two cases, Riot and Blizzard, uh, seem to me like very different cases. And before I even get to that, I want to mention the fact that I think we lack a lot of context when we talk about these layoffs that keep happening, that have been happening for the whole of last year, and that keep happening this year at an accelerated rate. And I, I say we lack context because we keep saying, oh, there are that many people laid off here, that many people laid off here. And I think most people don't know how many people have been laid off. And if that's a little bit or a lot for the industry, and if it's more than the year before. Now, obviously, it's always a tragedy, like, again, especially in the US where it makes things so difficult. But um, I think we hear about it so much that people start thinking, wow, how many people, how much of the industry has lost their jobs in 2023? Like, that's crazy. Everyone's firing people all the time, every company. And it turns out, uh, do you guys know how many people were fired in 2023? We started seeing numbers at the end of last year. Um, so I'm curious, do you guys know how many it was? I think it's around 10,000, isn't it? Right. Correct. Yeah. That's the best estimate we have. And the industry from my very little bit of research is about 600,000 people in the world. So that's a, a relatively small percentage, which isn't, I don't, I'm not looking to diminish, um, the, the, the impact on the people, but it's a very small percentage. I went looking in France, how many people are laid off last year? Uh, uh, at usually on an average year in every industry. I didn't get the numbers for the video games industry, but it's usually 5%. Um, in the video games industry, it seems like last year was like 2% maybe. So, And we don't know how many it was in the previous years. I couldn't get those numbers. So I, I honestly don't know if what happened last year, and I know it's shocking, and I know people are going to get angry at me for this. I don't know that a lot of people, you know, compared to other years or compared to other industries were laid off. And what bothers me is that we don't have that context. We don't know. And we should. I think there, there are excellent journalists who should do the, you know, the research. Um, I would like it to, to have that context. Now, and again, I'm not trying to diminish anything. I think to understand and judge things correctly, we should know what that means. In the case of Blizzard and Riot, um, Riot had launched into many different projects, which is something that uh, the CEO says in, in their letter, um, many different projects, a few of which did not pan out. Um, and I've been following this because ever since Arcane came out, I all of a sudden became a, a fan of Riot. And as you mentioned, I worked for Blizzard. I have a few friends, I'll say it like this. I have a few fr friends or acquaintances at Riot, uh, so I hope that doesn't color my view. But I think in the case of Riot, a few uh, uh, things that I, I had been following seemed like they weren't working out. You know, they, they launched a bunch of projects. They hired a lot of people. In the last few years, they doubled 
headcount, which is also a, a piece of data we don't have about the games industry or the tech industry. They hired a lot of people um, in the past few years, and it's to the you know the the order of of, of uh, those numbers is like they hired I don't know five times more people than they are, they are firing now. Five times in the last three years. You know, so that's also a piece of information that's important. In the case of Riot, they doubled headcount in the last few years, and they're now laying off 10% of the of the people. So perspective, you know, doesn't mean that it's fun for the 10%. Uh, and I'll get more into that in, in just a minute. But I think in the case of Riot, you can understand that Riot Forge, which was their uh, department that was working with indie developers to publish, develop and publish games within the Riot universe, uh, which didn't pan out. People did not buy those games for a number of reasons we could discuss. So I understand a reduction in headcount there when they're trying to refocus on uh, games that do work out, uh, that, do, uh, that players enjoy and buy and, and spend time on. You know, you could argue that a company that makes a lot of money should not fire anyone. And that could be a discussion to be had, but I think it's a different discussion. Uh, so in the case of Riot, it seems to be, and they're also doing, you know, uh, uh, unemployment benefits and, and uh, healthcare and stuff like that and help to help people find an, another job, etc. It seems to me like Riot has been doing things properly. Uh, the one thing I will say, which is a common thread in every one of those messages that the CEOs, you know, write down to accompany the, the layoffs is that they are so sad to be firing people and they <laughs> take full responsibility for all of that. Sure. But they never cut their pay. Right. You know, a few Japanese companies had that happen, which was notable. But if you're really sad, if you're really taking responsibility, you don't need to not get paid at all for a year. Just symbolically cut your pay a little bit. That will, I, it, to me, it feels like that's something that is missing, uh, even from Riot's messaging and actions, which I think are, you know, on the higher tier of what companies do in those circumstances. The case of Microsoft is a little bit different. Um, they just bought a company. Of course, there are going to be redundancies. Uh, we don't know what was happening inside of uh, Blizzard. Maybe it was necessary. I don't know. Maybe it was like some games were not working out. We're going to talk about the, the survival game that was announced uh, and is now shut down. Um, but it, I don't know that they hired... No, no, you know, it's not like they grew exponentially in the last five years or three years, and now they have to readjust. You know, it doesn't seem like that to me. Maybe it's the case. It doesn't seem like that. I even uh, think that uh, just before the purchase, Kotick cleaned uh, the bride a little bit and uh, and fired people at Activision. Um, so this is it doesn't seem like it's the same kind of uh, dynamic. Uh, 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 French. YouTuber uh, said, you know, they're being fired by, by Phil Spencer instead of Kotick. So awesome uh, acquisition there. It, it all, <laughs> it's, it's all better now that Kotick isn't there anymore. So I understand that, that sentiment. I'm a little bit un less sure about the justification of the layoffs at 
Activision Blizzard than I seem to be about Riot because I think it's it seems a bit more. Uh, I don't want to say justified because that's inelegant, but uh, understandable at Riot. Now, the most important thing in all of this, I think, is that the 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 layoffs themselves are a problem. I think the situation people find themselves in when they are laid off is an even bigger, is the big problem. I alluded to the fact that we have social safety nets in uh, Europe, in every other country than the US. You know, every other big democracy has social safety nets. Um, unemployment benefits, social security, free education. When you're fired and you don't have those things, it's the end of the freaking world for you. That's why it's such a pen. I mean, it's not fun to be fired in France either. And certainly, you know, we're, I'm not saying, oh, no problem at all. Just fire everyone. We have very strict rules about how you can fire people when and, you know, what you do once you fire them and how you can fire them. So social safety nets are important. You're not going to get social safety nets in the U.S. anytime soon. You know who wasn't fired in this round of layoffs at, Active, at Blizzard, at Activision Blizzard? The people who were unionized. I, you know, I keep, we all keep saying it and people don't seem to be listening. Now, people in the gaming industry look at what happened at Activision Blizzard. Those who weren't unionized, many of, well, I mean, some of them were fired. If you're unionized, which Microsoft has, you know, signed a deal with, what is, what is the union? CWA? Um, like a, a neutrality deal where they're very magnanimously, magnanimously saying, we will not break the law and union bust. Awesome. You can unionize. Do it now before the next freaking round of layoffs. The, the, you, if you aren't a union, you are a few disparate voices that is trying to be heard against someone or an entity that holds the entirety of the power. You will never get something equitable out of this deal if you're not collectively bargaining. I don't understand how we need to explain those things again and again. You are in companies where layoffs are happening. Why are you not inquiring about unions? Why? What is like the, 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 the way the U.S. has demonized unions is incredibly like mind-boggling I, I you know i'm not the hugest fans of unions in general in france they are very powerful in many countries they are very powerful but i will never tell you they don't need to exist if they don't you, you, you the, the the people who hold the power can do anything they want it is insane that more people aren't unionized in the u.s and some people you know the the discourse is oh well when you unionize the businesses don't work you both know that there is one industry where everyone is unionized. It's the uh, uh, movies industry. I don't think anyone will say, you know, which is the biggest uh, movie industry in the world? Well, okay, it's probably India. Which is the second biggest <laughs> movie industry in the world? It's the U.S. I think movies get made and get made very well in the U.S. It works very well. And unions ensure that you get treated you know as well as you can when you're working and when you're fired when you're laid off so 
I think it's time. I think at the very least, at the very least, the people at Activision Blizzard and Microsoft should look at this. There are, there is a union in, you know, within Activision Blizzard. Get in touch with them. Just inquire. Just like we tell you, hey, we have a Patreon. Just look at the page. <laughs> you don't have to commit. Just check it out. Maybe you like it. Just give them a call. Figure out what they're about. And maybe you'll think, hey, maybe I'll join. And maybe you should. So that's my very long-winded response. Patrick, uh, you know, I think a a lot of wonderful points there. Um, Christian, I know you have strong thoughts about this as well. Um, So I write a newsletter. It's usually pretty upbeat (laughs) and and fairly celebratory of the the hobby that I love. Um, ChristianSpicer.substack.com. If folks want to read this one, anyone can go and read it. The one that I sent out last Friday is about these layoffs and from the perspective of uh i don't have a fix uh i don't have an easy answer i wish i could make a youtube video you know with like five growth hacks how to ensure that and i jump cut my way to success you know to to telling you how to live your life and aren't the plants behind me gorgeous i don't have that i i I don't have that easy answer what i have is like and subscribe anyway (laughs) (laughs) don't just like mash that like button i want it i want it to be potatoes mashed and with gravy and butter on it um i have empathy as someone who has been laid off um multiple times uh once from a game studio (laughs) um christian and i just you know fyi both laid off from the same game studio (laughs) it but uh, uh, I was laid off first. Well, I mean, I was valuable than Christian. To be fair, I was the one who laid you off too. I was like, look, if it's up between me or Jeff, there weren't even layoffs at the company. It was just, (laughs) it was just Tuesday. And Christian was like, let's get rid of Jeff. Do we need to cut costs? No, no. No, no, Am I my performance poor? No. Money's falling out of our pockets. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, five people love that joke. Um, (laughs) Real quick. uh, I have empathy and it sucks. And nothing I say will make it easier or better for you. And, And Jeff and I are joking right now about some of that stuff. But I struggled a lot the first time around when I was an attorney and I found another job and I practiced for a long time after that. And I look back and it's like, Oh, there was the economic collapse and the entire office of the firm I was at went out of business and blah, 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 interest rates and all that stuff. And I don't know if this is true for everybody, but it, it was, uh, it really shook me. And I was left with feelings of inadequacy, even with all of those rationalizations and some of my friends that stayed on a little longer, like I said, eventually that whole office went away, but suffered from survivor's guilt and the lack of trust with the company and what that looks like. And so what I want to say here to everybody listening to this is I I can't help you in a way where like, let me get you a new job. I wish I could. I can't, but I can be there for you. If you just want to email me, I will read it. I will listen. And I will give you a virtual hug the best way I can. And that helped me a lot. So I wanted to offer that to folks that are maybe affected either in the video game space or not. Um, 
I'd be swearing a lot more if it wasn't on this show. It sucks, uh, friends. And and I think to the specifics of this, to pivot to to that side of things, I, I think Patrick, you made some great logical points, um, especially at the beginning and numbers and data and this, that, and the other. There's got to be a better way, you know. I don't. I don't care if it is 0.01% of the workforce. It, it frustrates me to no end, again, as a guy who doesn't have the answer. Um, it frustrates me to no end, this idea of like, well, the pandemic, and we hired up this big, and we tried these things, and they didn't work. But now we're doing this, and this is going to work. And it's like, bro, you're the same person who said the one thing, who's now saying the other thing. Get out of here. You don't get to have your cake and eat it too. It doesn't – no, I, the fire was hot and I told you to touch it. That's my bad. But now this this dry ice, touch that. Trust me. Touch it's not, that. It, it's not like nothing works. And it's funny because we talked about this on my French show a few days ago and someone said the same thing. In the case of Riot, they tried a lot of new things. Many of them worked. You know, they're not firing half the people. Um, there's a lot of new games from Riot and a lot of new projects which were successful. And I don't know what the answer is either, but you can't tell people, well, never hire anyone because you might end up laying them off in three years. So don't try anything. Just do everything that you've been doing until now and and only hire when it is absolutely certain that you will never fire anyone. I, I'm well, not, you know, I'm going back to the logical thing again, which I understand is maybe not appropriate right this second. Well, let's let's frame it this way because we we, we got an email this week uh, sent in to us uh, from Jeffrey, who says, uh, uh, "Hey, long time, first time. I figured the Xbox layoffs would be a story of the week, and I just wanted to write in and get your thoughts on something y'all mention just about every week: too many games. Perhaps all these big industry job cuts are the result of too many games. The market is flooded." And even very good games can easily get overlooked because there are just too many other games drowning them out. Is the industry simply providing some necessary pullback from its excessive supply? I'll take my answer off the air. I I think that might be a useful direction to point this conversation because, you know, I am just, I'm right there with you guys in at, you know, whinging about the state of things and we can continue to do that. But and I don't think it's wasted time because it, 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 there is a human emotional element to this that has to be acknowledged. But having acknowledged it, is there something to be said about the state of the industry as a whole that there's just it's, – it's collapsing under the weight of, of these unrealistic expectations? Patrick, do you have an opinion about that? I mean it's difficult to say. We would need to uh, – again, data – um, where there is certainly too many games and too many awesome, great games, which is the result, I think, of uh, technology enabling a lot more people to do a lot more with a lot less time and money. Um, there are a lot of indie devs who can develop games that they couldn't have developed 10 years ago, who can distribute them very easily uh, when they couldn't have before. So too many games in itself is the result of a good thing, which is we can create awesome stuff with less, you know, we don't need $15 million to create a game of that quality. Um, At some point, if, you know, it keeps uh, exponentially increasing, then 
we might get to a point where there are indeed too many games, but I don't know that we're there now. You could say there's too much music. There's a lot of, you know, awesome uh, music making bands and people who don't make it. Um, a fun, uh, interesting, again, piece of data is that on Steam, uh, there have been an increase of games for the past five years we went from. It's like, it's ridiculous. It's 2,000 extra games out of 10,000 um, every year. And and you're like, oh, well, how can we have time to play all of this? Well, it turns out most of them are, are like um, hobby projects, porn games, scams, reskins, stuff like that. And uh, there was a, an interesting study by a marketing guy who estimated that the actual games have been constant from 2017, I want to say. I'll try to dig it up um, and send it to you guys. But, I mean, obviously, if there are more and more excellent games every year at some point it's going to have to something's going to have to break i don't know that we're there now because we kept saying that you know for the past what five years we've been saying there are too many games yeah uh and but i i don't know that we know what the answer is i mean maybe too many games is the wrong way to put it but i do think there is it seems to me from the outside looking in there does seem to be this uh, extraction contraction pattern right that these these companies staff up huge and then fire everybody and staff up huge and this speaks to what exactly what you said patrick about the necessity for unions because you wouldn't be able to do that in a unionized environment right that's not an easy thing to do is just hire a bunch of people and that you know and that's the stories that really break your heart when you read about this stuff is like you were saying hey three months ago six months ago X number of people were hired, moved their lives to this new place, uprooted their, you know, they got this brand new job. And then it's, it's, you know, that job is eliminated. Part of that is the realities of life in, in capitalism, but also there has to, as Christian said, there has to be a better way, right? This well, extraction, I think in, contraction, it's like for, this, it, you know, go ahead. But in this case, you're saying, you know, what unions could do, you could negotiate, for example, with a union, uh, you could negotiate if you moved here less than a year ago, we're going to pay for your relocation, for example, Uh, Riot very generously gave, I think, six months severage. Right. Uh, severance, severance, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, that's great for the U.S., but six months is not a lot of time. Maybe a union could negotiate a year, maybe more than that. These companies, and that's the other part of it make a lot of money. Uh, I'm sure Riot has a lot of money in the bank they could use to give two years of severance to those 500 people. Yeah. You know, that's, and, and the reason it's not happening is maybe, well, maybe I'm overextending my knowledge and it's not possible, but I'm guessing a union would make your, the conditions of those layoffs better, not worse. Um, and again, Microsoft has a lot of money. We're not talking about a small company strapped for cash that's in bankruptcy mode. Um, And I don't think the layoffs would not happen with uh, a union. I think they would happen in better conditions for the workers. Again, at those companies that make a huge amount of money. Uh, So I think that's part of the answer there. Yeah, I mean... um... Uh, yeah, I, Christian referenced it earlier. Uh, I, I can't help but speak to this anecdotally from my own experience uh, working at a you know company that won't remain nameless, but that um, you know was flush and 
doing well and profitable and staffed up and started a bunch of projects. And then none of those could get going and then fired everybody. And it's just this cycle that seems to be writ large in the video game industry of boom and bust, boom and bust, boom and bust. And um, I don't know how you get out of it. Uh, you know, I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't think, you know, the, the thing you get when you are able to take risks is that you can succeed. The, again, for me, maybe I'm, I'm being a broken record. For me, the most problematic thing is not that some people are getting fired, is the conditions. Um, and the way people are fired in the U.S., especially, especially, you know, it's not great in other countries, um, is, is not very humane. And I, I'm no argument for there. Obviously, obviously that I mean, I mean that's an issue that is, I think, a little out of our depth in in a video yeah. game podcast. I, you know what I'm, what 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 keeps ringing in my head is a company like Riot saying we're doing forty seven new projects, and then a year and a half later we're doing three projects. You know, it's like that. That to me feels correctable, right? Because there was, in hindsight, it's easy to say. Yeah, but maybe it was always true that there was never going to be 47 new projects. You know, there was never going to be a market that could sustain 47 new riot projects. Again, obviously I'm exaggerating, but that's what this seems like is like, Hey, we're doing, we're staffing up because we got, we're doing this initiative where we got all these new games. And then you see this, this one canceled that one. And maybe that's just how video game well, development works I mean, where stuff doesn't work as you said, Patrick, but. And in the case of riot, which again, I've been following, you have, uh, you had traditionally league of legends and for what, 15, 10 years, they were adapting the company to the success of that game. Then they were like, okay, we're good. Let's start other things. And they have Wild Rift, they have Legends of Runeterra, they have Valorant. Uh, so Legends of Runeterra didn't quite work out, um, but Wild Rift works well. I'm playing it. Valorant is a successful game. Uh, Team Fight Tactics is working out. They branched out with Riot Forge, which didn't work out, but you know uh, uh, they have Arcane, which is a resounding success. I don't think as frustrating as the situation be. I think saying, well, you shouldn't launch new projects or less or like how much is enough? Like you, you say 47, they had like five different departments or six or seven. Right. And four are left standing. Should they not have, should they have guessed which ones would work? I think they no, I tried all the ones I, that, you know, I see your it's point. difficult. It, 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 it is, um, you're faced with the harsh realities of this stuff, you know, you like Christian has articulated well, it, you know, you, there has to be a better way. And yet it's not clear what that is. Mm. I'm curious to hear what uh, folks think about this in the discord and, and uh, via email, I, I, you know, and if there are folks uh, affected, you certainly, we our heart goes out to you and uh, hope that um, there's a course correction and that makes this kind of cycle less severe uh, if maybe not eliminated completely less severe because 1900 people's a lot it's a lot and and i want to reinforce i've been talking about it in a very cold and analytical way uh again i have friends uh at blizzard still not many right. that are left but i have friends um i know the company so it it 
hits me, I think, yeah. maybe even more and than I, some other people's. I, that is obviously the most important thing, the people who are affected. And But you are asking the right questions, and I think that anybody listening will uh, understand that and not, you know, hold yeah. that against you. Uh, all right. Um, pivoting somehow from that, Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? One bookend to this, and I will I will hard pivot, but one uh, thing that I did want to mention is I, I, I think part of the problem is this idea, and this is something that I am part of this machine uh, with owning stock and looking to retire the American way by owning stock in the stock market, but this idea of profits above everything else. And I, I think it was Carnegie way back in forever, you know, the idea of what a business should be or should be and who its duty is to instead of to its employees or its to community, it's to shareholders above everyone else. And uh, most of the Western world has adopted that philosophy. And I think it's problematic uh, many ways in terms of these types of layoffs. But I also think in terms of destroying local communities and creating places where people are numbers more than people in communities are data points on a spreadsheet instead of places where people live and gather. Um, Yay, economic theory. It's fun, isn't it? Speaking of economic theory, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Did, 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 you all, did you all hear about how uh, Apple's opening up their app store to streaming services? Um, <laughs> yeah, because the government is forcing them to. <laughs> Speaking of economic theories that companies do just because they want to, did you hear that there's going to be a native, uh, most likely a native GeForce Now and Xbox uh, cloud gaming app? Uh, coming yes because of the eu's regulations on Yay. apple and <laughs> <laughs> how it runs its business apple is very happily <laughs> and willingly and out of the Would've good done graces it anyway of, just it, didn't get around to it and until it was after gonna happen <laughs> yeah it was gonna happen that we are beginning to see the early stages of their transitioning app store rules and regulations which includes in the eu Sorry, UK. I think the UK is left out of this because of Brexit. Um, but in the EU, allowing for alternative app stores itself, Epic has said that Fortnite is going to come back to iOS devices, like Fortnite through Epic versus instead of using GeForce Now through a web browser or something like that. And they're going to do it through their own app store. Details TBD, because this stuff is still kind of coming out. Um, but one of those things that is a precursor to individual app stores is Apple allowing things like GeForce Now and xCloud to exist as standalone apps on iOS. Previously, that had been the case. I don't know why I point to it on Android. Like you can, I'm pointing at my Android phone. Um, <laughs> that had been the case on Android where if I was going to play GeForce Now, I open the app like I would on my computer and it loads and I'm in and I can pick my game. Whereas on iOS, you have to do it through the web. So I created the web-based app on my home screen and I would tap into that, but it is through the web. And so some of the features are a little limited when you're doing it that way. But Apple had said, you can't have a streaming service with all of these games on it in our app store. Or if you did, you would need to individually submit each game and we would need to review each and every game every single time there's a new game, which is... An impossible task. You know, there's no way that xCloud, Microsoft's like, here's our cloud gaming and we're adding this new game. And then it needs to go through its own certification on the App Store. Yeah, but, well, you would get to a situation where like, well, maybe that game is available <laughs> on the 
Xbox Cloud on the PC, but not on – it's like – it's just – yeah, horrendous. Yeah, absolute, absolute nightmare. And so this is changing, and I think this is going to be good – for consumers. I think it's going to be good for gamers. I think it's going to be good for how you access those things. I I do think that these changes are going to be the beginning of a potential slippery slope, though, and one that Android users have navigated pretty well over the years. But I'm curious to see how these bigger changes come to iOS in terms of individual app stores. And uh, Spotify has already said, I think it was in a, a, a marketing or a um, financial call, like, yeah, now we can sell more, uh, what they what they say, like more upshot sales or something. It was like, now we can do tons of pop-ups for sales to, you know, <laughs> do, and it's just like, oh, not like this. This is not what I wanted. <laughs> Sweet, um, I get a dedicated app full of ads and, and <laughs> microtransactions. What? Yeah, but at least it comes with Frogert, right? <laughs> yeah. Monkey paw will get you. Yeah, <laughs> um, but as a big fan of cloud gaming, I'm super excited for this because I have kept an Android phone around as my kind of dedicated cloud gaming device when I'm, you know, able to carry two phones, and I'm I'm excited to see parity in that space and to see what uh, innovation will come from this, where folks are allowed to make the best thing possible for that experience and for discoverability. Like right now, if I were to tell Patrick, Patrick, you got to try GeForce Now on your iPad. Okay, so you're going to go to geforcenow.com. You got to log in. <laughs> now you're going to hold, you know, the little square with the arrow on, on it. You want to hold that. You want to long press it. Then you want to add it to your, and it's like, get out of here. No one's going to do that. So I'm stoked, <laughs> but I'm aware of Pandora's box as well. <laughs> it's uh, so about the, the independent third-party app stores and uh, app installs it's a uh, cluster f in the eu as well because the way they're doing it of course is protecting their uh, business model and complying with the letter of the law in the least possible <laughs> spirit yeah. of the law uh that they could and it's the same actually for a decision about uh third-party in-app in-app payment systems in the u.s they're saying 27% uh, is the commission will require for people who use third-party payment solutions. Um, and it's, uh, well, anyway, that's neither here nor there. But I, I'm not convinced everything. You are on the smoothly. perfect week for this show, though, Patrick. Yeah. I love yeah. getting the EU flavor, getting that spicy right European takes. It, well, the, 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 pay, the in-app payment thing is in the U.S. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that is like the, the, the most egregious uh, way to implement a, a, a judge's decision I have ever seen in tech. Like it is so much bad faith being created by this. And it shows how important the business is to Apple of in-app payments and app store. They will right. defend it to the death, even if it means everyone <laughs> hates them, which a lot of people already. And even anyway. if it means completely being hypocrites on everything they've ever well, s- said before. That they're used to. <laughs> um but yeah the streaming is is pretty cool um they're doing it obviously because everyone else is you know apps are gonna enable this anyway so they're like okay well it's gonna be on our platform anyway so we'll we'll enable it um i'm hopeful that it will get more people to try out this uh uh these solutions i don't know how much more impactful it will be in the mid term mm. um i'll certainly give it a go there are you know opportunities that 
where I was like, oh, maybe I, I'm wondering, I don't know if it's possible on Apple TV. I think that might be the most interesting part of that it. That would be great. All, yeah. all I read when I saw this headline was put it in my new vision pro. <laughs> meow, 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 meow. I paid a lot of money for that thing. Please let me play video games on it. Oh God. Uh, anyway. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see going forward. And I think this this is a win for ease of use when it comes to game streaming services. All the other parts of it are a huge question mark. But we'll see. We shall see. All right, my story of the week. It's another bummer one. Uh, can I just quickly mention something positive? Uh, the folks that made Demio are doing an official D&D VR game. Very excited about that. We don't need to talk Yay. about it. But I'm, a little positive, a little positive story of the week. The thing I really want to talk about. Now back to the show. Yeah, now <laughs> back to the darkness. <laughs> 2024 starting with them. <laughs> Bang. <laughs> Your head into the wall. Um, I, I want to talk about this a lot because, you know, Patrick's here, a uh, Blizzard fanboy like me. Uh, former Blizzard employee, uh, one of the fallouts of this contraction of this, you know, firing of all these people and kind of re reorganizing reorganizing uh, priorities within Activision Blizzard is that we heard that a long promised Blizzard game, notably a new IP for them, they were had been working on this survival game that had been kind of whispered about for a, a long time, had been reportedly in active development for over six years with a team of over a hundred people working on them. By the way, all of those folks fired. So this project canceled and that entire team let go, which is pretty wild. Um, This game, uh, which was either codenamed Odyssey or going to be called Odyssey. I I suspect it's codenamed Odyssey, but it was going to be a new prong in uh, the, the blizzard uh, Pantheon. It was going to be a big, big pillar, new IP, a new thing going forward, six years of development. It was going to be Blizzard doing what they do, which is taking a genre that had been already established and putting that fine polish on it. At least that's their, what their intention was, was to take the survival genre and make a Blizzard type game in the way that they took the MMO that had already been around with EverQuest and Ultima Online, and they made World of Warcraft with that Blizzard polish. That was their intent with the survival genre with Odyssey. Now we know six years in, completely dragged to the recycle bin on the desktop. Uh, Patrick, uh, this breaks my heart personally because I have seen this a number of times with Blizzard. They are not shy about just trashing years and years of work if they don't think they're going to make something very special. And that's one of the reasons I think Blizzard has had such a great track record with projects is because they have a very high standard and they're not going to put out something even though they've invested tens of millions of dollars in it. But I also was excited about this project and looking very much forward to hearing more about it. And now it will not be. And we've seen that happen so many times with these cool projects. Patrick, your take. Well, my take is essentially the end of yours. Um, I I really don't like the way this is being framed because trashing a project that has cost a lot of money and we don't know how bad it was going for the project. Uh, Apparently, a lot of good work was being done by a lot of talented people. But I'm guessing that 
Microsoft, you know, if it was a game that was awesome and that they could see uh, making a lot of money, they like money. They wouldn't have canceled it just because what? They're being evil? Like they're cackling. Phil is like, how can we be the most evil in his office at the top of Microsoft Tower? I'm guessing the game had problems. We've heard a lot about uh, the technical issues that uh, they first had with Unreal and then with Synapse, which is their internal engine, which ended up not working out. And they were apparently not very, it wasn't realistic. The target of 2026, was it, uh, for release was not realistic, according to people on the team. Yeah, evidently um, they were so, trying to get 100 players at once uh, in, in these sessions and neither engine seemed to be able to, they worked that out and there was some internal yeah. strife with the team of some people really wanting to use Unreal, others wanting to use the internal Synapse Blizzard engine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a lot of... There's, I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of, technical specifics there because obviously uh, Fortnite works with a hundred people on the map, but the map most may be bigger or anyway, we don't know that, but yeah, the point is the way this is being framed is, Oh my God, look at this horrible thing that uh, they're doing to this wonderful game that would have happened. And um, this is what Blizzard is known for is what you were saying, not just trashing beautiful games, but being realistic about the quality of the game and not putting the game out if it doesn't meet their standards of quality. I don't know that Blizzard is still that Blizzard, but that move seems in line with uh, that policy. Um, And obviously it's tragic for the people and the work that's already been done there. Maybe they could have recycled it like they did Titan into um, Overwatch. Overwatch. But there have been a number of projects, some of which we have not heard about at Blizzard that never came to light including you know starcraft ghost is the one that everyone i always... played it <laughs> i played it at e3 i had hands-on with starcraft ghost and it was canceled and everyone was sad but um yeah i i i don't think i don't see this for this is the most blizzard thing out of all this whole story <laughs> you know this true. is the most it's authentic true. like quality blizzard thing like old old uh school blizzard thing that we all admired uh, thing that we've heard and i don't understand why people are painting it as this other like proof that look now they're horrible and they're not even releasing this beautiful game that everyone assumes would have been awesome i certainly don't, don't have that about. position but i do think it's unfortunate that yet again blizzard seems to just be refocusing on the stuff they've already got and, and, you know, at a certain point, like when will we, I mean, Overwatch was a big uh, new IP and a big new thing. And that, but that's a few years in now. And, you know, we see this big initiative with, uh, you know, this plan of trilogies of wow expansions and, uh, but, you know, I would love for them to kind of branch out and do new stuff. Uh, Overwatch, I, I think is not doing great. Uh, Diablo four. Yes. There's be, there'll be new seasons and expansion, now, you know what what's on the horizon for for blizzard that's really kind of breaking new ground this was it as far as i'm aware maybe there's things we don't know about but uh, six years of development yeah. feels like you know not insignificant it's i think since overwatch uh Overwatch, you know people seem to point to overwatch only but uh hearthstone was a big deal it was that's 2013 yep. um so a decade ago <laughs> a decade ago overwatch was 2016 
That's a good pace. Uh, unfortunately, Heroes of the Storm didn't work out, but that was also something, yeah. um, something cool. Um, certainly, since Overwatch, let's say two years after the release of Overwatch, we haven't seen a lot of incredible, like old school Blizzard. Seems like it's not around anymore, and it's interesting to see that Mike Ibarra, the president of Blizzard, who was a former Microsoft employee, who was at BlizzCon saying. I will be there until my death. I love Blizzard. You know, he arrived like, I don't know, three years ago, four years ago, um, and when, was named president of Blizzard after the issues in 2021, the harassment and toxicity yeah. things were came he's to out. And he was an outsider. So, But now yeah. he's back at Microsoft. And three months after having said, I will be there until I die, um, he's like, oh, I'm happy to have done the transition and I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. Yeah. It doesn't seem like he wanted to leave i don't know what that says uh about whom <laughs> I, I i don't know microsoft didn't really like him why did he leave microsoft in the first place like again there's interesting right. stuff to figure out there somebody's gonna um, write a book at some point yeah. who, who's gonna take his place um a, a woman would be awesome just you know for yeah. the principle of it but um there's there's a lot of things here that raise questions for me yeah. and this shuttering of the project um i wouldn't be too hasty to judge it christian you have any thoughts my only thoughts on this is i i'm shocked at how recently they were hiring for this game right um dabbling around we're in hiring that space. until we're firing that's the we're, we're hiring until we're shutting it down i mean very recently they were staffing up for this project and there were it, people it, saying i moved four months ago for yeah. this project and now i'm yeah. fired like that's where it's anyway. rough it, it it's does rough. seem that's... like anecdotally based on timing of things that i've seen that it does seem like it is part of a new company owns this review of where things are let's be honest yeah. you know how are things shaking up and or the person yeah. whose pet project it was is no longer the one calling the shots. And, uh, you know, John yeah, Carpenter is a... still going to come out, but we're not going to advertise for it. <laughs> <laughs> John uh, Carter. Yeah. John Carter. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. John Carter. Uh, um, it's yeah, a bummer. The, the, it, does, it does feel like a, uh, six years in, uh, we're going to put this out in what, 2026? Oh, no, uh, we're not going to make 2026. Oh, really? Well, let's shut this all down. We're shutting <laughs> this whole thing down. You know, that's, uh, that's the short version. Survival game. Six years ago, there weren't a million of them. That's and I know Blizzard a great does point it, too. You know, great I point can too. see how the market is not the same. You're not, I'm, I'm going to talk about one this week that, uh, you know, has uh, what I would consider to be a uh, pretty good polish. All right. Speaking of that, Let's get into our games that we have been playing. But first, we'll take a quick break for a sponsor. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. 
LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. All right. Let's talk about the games that are on our playlist in a segment coincidentally called The Playlist. We got some good games to talk about this week in The Playlist. Patrick, where would you like to start? So many things to talk about. Um, I, have, I have become, I was talking about my... Uh, love for riot games now i have become a league of legends player um this is something i would never have thought i would say in a million years um but following arcane three years ago was it uh i started to get interested in uh in league of legends and i started playing league of legends wild rift which is a really awesome game and then a few months ago i started following a a sports team an esports team and they play league of legends and among other games uh which by the way i don't know if you're sad or happy now jeff but i'm definitely sad that team is carmen corp and they went 7-0 in the winter split in League of Legends. Horrendous performance. They're so good <laughs> in everything else. So good. And I will still be behind them because I've been following them for essentially three months. So I'm a lifelong fan. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you bleed no, it. You bleed it. No fair I, weather I fan of, here. Yeah. I kind of feel like, yeah, I'm responsible for this, uh, for this spell. It's like 7-0. Every anyway, I, this is not an esports show, but it was terrible. Um, I'll be there. Spring split will will do it. Um, but so I don't have time to play League of Legends as much as I would like on PC because every game you have to set aside a whole hour, and I have children, yeah. um, so that's not uh, possible. But I did come back to Wild Rift. This is such an awesome game. It is like I played it uh, a a couple of years ago quite a bit. And you read it now. It's interesting because I have the contrast between the PC game and the mobile game. And um, it captures so much of what the PC game does so well. It is such a cool game. And I'm so happy that they're not, you know, putting it out to pasture with some other games uh, with that uh, announcement. But it is really, really cool. And the, the difference is that it is faster pace than League of Legends PC, but everything that entails for gameplay is fascinating. Like you get from one part of the map to the other more quickly. So vision is a little bit less important. So the strategy around that is a little bit less uh pushed and so you get a game that's more focused on team fights and uh uh you know combat but the game is is really cool i'm not gonna it's an old game so i'm not gonna talk about it for too long but wild rift if you're curious about league of legends just go for it it is easy accessible everyone has it it's on mobile waiting for the day it comes to consoles maybe one day very cool yeah, I know you've been wanting me to try this for literally years, and I I have not done That's it. That's cool. I'm yeah, you know, just to know what this thing is, it is the yeah. biggest esport in the world. Um, the other game 
I wanted to mention uh, in passing is Warcraft Rumble. And I swear I didn't choose the two companies that are firing everyone <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that I, uh, I'm sorry, but um, it's not horrendous. Uh, <laughs> Warcraft Rumble, not horrendous. Not horrendous. Put it on the packaging. Uh, it's the mobile game. It's essentially a uh, tower offense. Um, it's what's the Clash Royale? It's kind mm -hmm. of a riff on Clash Royale, a little bit, a bit more complex. Um, it, it works really well. I tried it out a few months ago and decided to pay for the uh, account unlock. You pay 20 bucks and you get essentially increased rate of experience and gold in, in game uh, currency uh, gains which make it much more viable for you to progress through the game. It's a lifetime unlock, so it's not something you have to keep paying for. And I've been playing it for about three, four months. Uh, and I've been having fun. I play very short sessions. This is essentially my I don't want to be doom scrolling right now game. I have <laughs> three minutes, so I'm going to play a couple of games. Maybe just, you know, log in and get the gold in the free thing for logging in uh, that you get. Um, I'm getting, I'm reaching the end of my run with that game. Um, and, uh, you know, it's been, yeah, as I said, three, four months and I'm happy with the time I had with it. It's a fun strategy game. You really have to think sometimes it feels, you know, you have that thing on a map where you go in, you get destroyed and you're like, this is impossible. This is dumb. This is pay to win, whatever. Um, and you just then look at the units that are attacking you, what are their properties, just like in an RTS, um, you know, tower defense games come from RTS. So it's very, there, there are, there's this legacy there. Um, and you say, oh, okay, so I should build my deck like this and have this type of unit. And then all of a sudden, you know, you destroy the map and think like, well, this is broken. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's fun. It's a good uh, I have three minutes. What can I do instead of scrolling Twitter game? Hey, anything that gets people off of that is uh, positive in my book. So that's Warcraft Rumble. Yeah. But the, the big release of the week, which I know both you and Christian have been playing, uh, is Tekken 8. Uh, the fighting game renaissance continues. Or does it? What is your feelings, Patrick, about Tekken 8? Oh, my God, guys. I love Tekken 8 so much. Why has it taken <laughs> us like an hour and a half to get to Tekken 8? <laughs> I could talk about it for just as long. Uh, it is awesome. It is fantastic. It does everything well. Well, almost everything. It does many, many things well. Um, I love fighting games. I, I'm a, a, an arcade uh, a child of the arcades. I spent a lot of time both in Europe and in Japan when I lived in Japan in arcades. And Street Fighter VI did things that um, were popularizing, again, a genre that was king in the arcades back then. And I thought that Tekken could not reach those heights, especially when they started talking about the game and the communication was focused on essentially what is well, a prettier version of Tekken 7. And I thought, well, you know, that's, I already have Tekken 7. But they did add a lot of things and uh, it, it triumphs in almost everything. Um, the, the, the story mode is fantastic. It is essentially um, fast and furious about fighting games in anime genre uh in its inane 
script and what happens in the game is ridiculous. Like Tekken has always been a series where the story, you look at it and you laugh because it's so dumb, as you do in Fast and Furious. They dialed that to to, uh, 11 in Tekken 8. It's fantastic. It's super dumb. It's super fun. It's very accessible. It's very easy to get into. Um, Then within the game, in game, you know, the gameplay, you have two modes of uh, control. You have classic mode where, you know, you have to uh, press a button and do a, a direction to do special moves. You have combinations and sequences that can become a little bit complicated. But then you have, um, what's the name of that mode? Uh, easy mode, easy input, I can't remember. But you can activate it at any point, including in that um, story mode. You press a button, and then all you need to do is press the same button many times, and it will do cool combos. It's a little bit more involved than this, but essentially this is what it is. This is not like uh, the Street Fighter VI uh, modern control scheme, which is supposed to be competitive. And you can choose to use the modern control scheme, which is simpler than the classic scheme, um, but it's competitive. It's a very seriously built design thing so that you can choose either of those modes. In Tekken, the easy mode is not that. It's just a thing for you to have fun and it works and you will play that story mode and you can switch to that if you want to it is very accessible and you play different characters and uh you you get the essentially fun uh I'll try it out experience then you get into arcade quest which is really cool you have these little me like characters in universe which uh you play one of them you play as one of them and they discover tekken 8 and they get into the local arcades click and the, the there's this one guy that teaches you how to play the game so they teach you very literally how to play the game with different features different moves different uh, uh properties of the game very slowly they introduce stuff you can play the story mode and the arcade quest story mode is about maybe five hours uh arcade quest is a little bit longer i think but you can play those two and have a great tekken experience without even getting into the competitive side of it the game itself might seem like tekken 7 it is 80 percent it is 50 percent tekken 7 but they added a bunch of things on top of it which makes it so much more fun to me at least and i played quite a bit of tekken 7 this one i understand the mechanics of the game so much more and how to play and adapt to it and uh, uh, arrange you know my gameplay to what's happening on screen um it's incredible 32 characters only three new but the 32 it's a huge number Everyone is so different and complex and has their own gameplay within the game, almost everyone. Um, There's nothing not to love about this game, except Street Fighter does the Battle Hub mode, which is the virtual arcade. It's awesome. You go there, you see someone sitting at a machine, you sit down and you play against them. In Tekken, you have something that is taken from Arcade Quest, which is a huge arcade, And I was like, awesome, I'll go there. It will be the same thing, except no. When you sit down at a machine at an arcade, you're just playing ranked with a random person. You're not playing the person that is sitting next to you, which is such a missed opportunity because Mm -hmm. then you don't create, it's basically pointless. You don't create this rivalry. 
Yeah. yeah. In in Street Fighter, you go to the battle hub and you actually play people and you're like, oh, you're just a little bit stronger than me, but I'll get you. And you play 10 games and finally you get right. around. And I think I saw said something to that effect last time I was here. Um, in Tekken, it doesn't work like that. And that's too bad. But it's the only thing that um, is not stellar about Tekken 8. I love it. I can't wait to play more of it. I don't understand why I said yes to being on this show when I could have been playing Tekken 8. <laughs> so well, we'll that's my take on it. Here as fast as we can. <laughs> uh, Christian, you have also been playing Tekken 8. And I, I thought I was going to maybe sit this one out uh, as I have with some recent fighting games. But then I saw that uh, Prey Dogs Universal... VR mod for Unreal works with Tekken 8 and you can play it in VR. So I might have to pick this one up on PC. But tell me what your experience. Do you do you agree with Patrick that this is stellar uh nearly all the way through? Wholeheartedly. Uh, Tekken 8 is Yay! phenomenal. It is incredible. We are at a high water part mark. High water part. High water mark. I want to go to fight. a high water park. It's like a regular <laughs> water park, but like it's just <laughs> way more so, drownings at the high yeah. water park. But if you're able to ride it out, it's great. Um, a rising tide lifts all boats, except for the ones with leaky hulls. Um, they sink. Tekken 8 is fantastic. I really do think that we are in a, a golden age of fighting games right now with, um, you know, Mortal Kombat 1 has its, uh, people have its issues with it, and I think some of those are fair. Uh, but Street Fighter 6, Tekken 8, and, and also Mortal Kombat 1, and, and what we're seeing in the space right now, I think the only thing holding fighting games back from being kind of the pinnacle of video games in many regards is that they don't live in arcades the same way. So it's a different experience versus in an arcade, you kind of walk by and you see it and you're drawn to it. And there's the one person there with the bandana on who's dominating everybody. And you put your quarter up and you try, there's that communal aspect. And I think street fighter six tries to recreate some of that, but it is just different when you're at home and you don't know who's beating your butt every time you play and you just kind of think you suck. <laughs> so it's it, kind of, does it come with a bandana? It does. It does come with a bandana um, and like sweet attitudes. Um, <laughs> so I think that's what's missing from fighting games being kind of the the peak of culture in terms of conversation around games. It is different when you're by yourself. And even if you're playing in excellent ranked mode, it just feels different to lose half those matches at home versus at the arcade. And you, you see Susan or Gary or, who you know, like these people you see like, oh, my gosh. Gary's at the Tekken cabinet. <laughs> I'm going to go watch this. And you saunter over and you watch them beat somebody down. But Tekken 8 is incredible. As you mentioned for the mod, it is Unreal. It's Unreal 5. I am playing on PC with my beefy GP. It has DLSS 2.0, not all the full 3.1 suite of technologies, but it is 2.0 enabled on PC if you have an NVIDIA card. Looks and runs great. I see a couple of hitches here and there, but usually it's on the character select screen and then sometimes on character intro animations. And I, I would imagine that's something about the engine transitioning between real time into an animated cutscene or something like that. I've also played it on my steam deck. It works great. I, it works fine. I should say like between the two consoles better, but I've played many a match against the CPU on my steam deck and you're able to dial down the settings and have it be a workable experience. But as Patrick mentioned, the story mode so I've probably played seven hours of Tekken 8. We're recording a smidge earlier than we normally do. So it probably would have been 10 hours or longer <laughs> if we were recording at night. 
So you're also everybody wishing doesn't you were want to be doing it. this and wants to be playing Tekken 8. I get it. I get yes, it. We, we sacrificed our joy for yours, Jeff. So you can hate watch a football game and, unless they win. Then that time was worth it. Otherwise, yeah. you spent three hours tense like, oh, this is fun. This is fun. Um, it, it, the story is phenomenal. I have played a lot of Tekken over the years, but not all Tekken. I think the Tekken I've probably played the most is Tekken Advanced, oddly enough, on the GBA. Oh, wow. Because I was traveling a lot when it came out, and it's a good Tekken. But I played Tekken Tag. I played the Tekkens. Tekken 8 has a mode where you can go through and kind of get caught up on the story. Fine. You know, maybe do that, but also maybe don't. Because it's just so bombastic and so well, how will silly. I know what, what the Tiger Man and the Bear Man think about? Because <laughs> they tell you. Oh, they, okay. they, te- okay. they, they give you All like right. one line, you know, they're like, oh, you can't go against them. Why? Because they're this. And you're like, yeah, that's all I need. <laughs> Let them fight. Let I them mean, do their. The, the Tiger Man is a Tiger Man. The Bear Man is just a bear. He's not just a bear, bear man. Yeah. It's actually well, a now, bear. Now I'm lost. Now I just. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it gets confusing. You should probably go back and watch the, uh, the, the story lead up. But it is just so silly in the best ways. You know, it, it feels very Final Fantasy 16 in ways where it is just so ridiculous, but taken seriously. You know, like they don't wink at the camera other than the fact that you're playing as a panda bear or something like that, you know, but like. Yeah. Just bombastic in that the costumes that Tekken's always had great character outfits and the way they look in eight story mode, it's never been sillier, but also better because it's like when you see there's a reason why the first X-Men movie put everybody in black leather, right? Like, yes, it would have been cool to see them in their iconic costumes, but also when you see people in their iconic costumes in real life together next to each other, you're like, this is weird. <laughs> like, the, like you're walking down the street and your shoulders are 30 feet wide, like next to a normal person. You're like, this is normal. This is how I act. There's all of that stuff in it. It's, it's beautiful. It's dumb. But it also does a good job of rotating you through characters, giving a lot of um, series regulars their moment to shine in really cool ways, introduces the new characters and fun story moments. And then Arcade Quest, I think folks will probably do that second because oftentimes people get excited about the story mode. But Arcade Quest is where I would recommend uh, folks start if they are new to Tekken or it's been a while because it does, as Patrick mentioned, a great job teaching you Tekken. And what I find so refreshing about coming back to Tekken, I did not play seven. I think I maybe played a little bit of six. I forget. Um, It was on PS4. Four, maybe that was six. I don't remember. Um, but Tekken is not a fireball, you know, big special move, quote unquote, fighting game, the way Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter are. The buttons are, um, for most characters, there's always an exception, but left punch, right punch, left kick, right kick. So one, two, three, four. And you use them, you know, you can think about Assassin's Creed uh, with the way you used to climb, like actually doing your hands as you're moving up. And so left punch is... Your, the left hook that you throw and, and then right is right and so on and so forth. And so it, it's a closer combat fighting game than something like Street Fighter where you can control space by using your projectile. And so, so much of Tekken for years in the competitive scene, it's a very defensive game because when you close space, you're looking for that frame gap where you can punish somebody, where you're able to block their move It's a 3D game, so you can shuffle around people, but you were able to block their move and their frame is open for you to go in to punish them with your own combo. 
And so a lot of times in the competitive space, there's, you know, juking, starting a move, trying to cancel out of it. How can you start something that looks like a different move? Characters have like a hundred different moves. I'm never going to learn them all, but like looks like a move with a longer frame animation that's actually shorter so you can lure somebody in. And so you get these very heated defensive battles. And it seems like Tekken 8's approach has been how do we make Tekken more offensive minded with the changes they've made? And so at the very basic core, they've buffed sidestepping where you could always sidestep, but so many moves would punish you for that, whether it was a actual three-dimensional blow or not, or a sweep that would still get uh, hit your hitbox in that moment to break your shuffle. Sidestepping is more effective now, and they've added a heat mode, which you start with full at the beginning of each round. Every round, your heat gauge is full, so it's not like in Street Fighter where you have to build up your turbo. Your heat gauge is full and ready to go, and if you don't lose it, if you don't lose it, if you don't use it, you lose it for that round. Like You should use it every single round because next round it will be back. And the heat mode makes you more viable to be aggressive it adds um a few things but basically more to your combo and it gives you a really cool punishing special move that can break through some other attacks and so it it allows you to go in and be more aggressive in a and way chip that damage and it hasn't had before yes and then chip damage you you as you block and take hits you see your health gauge go down but it's not eliminated you're able to earn that health back if you land blows on your opponent so you're so you incentivizing take the, offense yeah. it incentivizes offense but it's still you're still very open it's not like one hit yeah. gives you that health back it's you got to then chip your way back to fill it up and if you mess up you're going to get punished and you lose all of that and the last thing that makes it more offensive is um the rage state is what they call it and so when you're down to what was what it patrick like a quarter of your life left yeah, a third of your life something like that you go into this rage state and you can see it on your health bar and it opens up a new special move. I think just one per yeah, character. It's basically a, a super uh, yeah. one per character where you get very angry. Yeah, And it's <laughs> awesome. It's flashy looking. It can break through um, some other offensive attacks back to you. And it also um, – oh gosh, there's one other thing that rage does, but it's just jumping out of my head. But again, they're all an effort of making it more offensive, which I think is fascinating. And I'm very curious. I won't be part of it because I won't be that competitive. But I'm very curious to see how the competitive scene does react to it long term and, and whether or not it really has people flying off, you know, running in and engaging with people. And then from the new characters, again, there's only three, but I, I, I love Victor. He's, a, he's the Frenchman and he's so cool. He's like this old silver fox spy tech dude who has like little knives and then also this huge gun that he never uses but he's got this huge gun <laughs> and then little knives fighters yeah, yeah. it's aw- it's awesome it's yeah. awesome you're you're talking about the french guy there it's funny law it which is one of the old school characters in his intro he looks at the camera and he's like he's the bruce lee uh lookalike and he looks at the camera and he's like i hate rich people so it makes me think <laughs> of the french person <laughs> um but uh reina the other new character is super awesome azucena the uh the the peruvian which like does i want to learn like when you dive into one of the characters it's like learning a whole game so i recommend you stick with one just take one that you think looks cool um but azucena has a whole bunch of uh escape not escapes but like she dodges all your uh 
all all the enemy's strikes and she's like making fun of you and she's like ha ha just, it seems like a lot of misdirects too where like it it's like a fake into one and then she comes yeah. the other way and it looks yeah. this game looks so badass like forget about everything we just said which is true but forget about all of it if you want to play a fighting game and have immediate fun and look like you're doing super cool fighting moves pick up Tekken 8 it is exactly that you will feel like a badass from the get-go don't go fight people, you know, in ranked mode, because especially at the beginning, all the pearls are like ranking up. You get destroyed every other game. <laughs> it will settle down. But um, no, it, just press every button. It will look cool. It's awesome. And you can play it in VR. Well, I mean, Tekken 7 could be played in VR. Not a lot of people did. So I, I, I just take, I take solace in knowing that I helped the best, best players in the world achieve their rank. As they beat me. <laughs> I just your, want to be helpful. That is our contribution. It's a fighting game. No, it's a helping game. <laughs> uh, that's Tekken 8. Sounds like it is continuing this new golden age of fighting games that we seem to find Listen, ourselves in. Street Fighter 6 and Tekken 8. It is incredible that we saw those come back and be as good as they are. You know, they're they're... 90 on Metacritic games, 92, 90. Yeah. Like there are such, I, I thought we would never see that time again. And of course, not everyone is going to go play fighting games, but some people will. And the people who do are so happy with the state of their uh, favorite niche genre right now. And they're, they're stupid in the best way. And I say that with yes. love, like Mortal Kombat included. Mortal Kombat's been stupid in the best way for longer. But Street Fighter Six <laughs> and Tekken Eight are so stupid, and they wear their stupid on their sleeve, and it's better because of it. You have always told me that that was a compliment as well, and I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Jeff, uh, I mean this in the best way. You're fired. I say um, that with love. <laughs> but you, way. Uh, Christian, you have also uh, been playing more Prince of Persia Lost Crown, which we raved about last week. I will be brief. I rolled credits on Prince of Persia The Lost Crown. It took me just under 20 hours. My completion percentage was shown at low 70s, 70%, which I was kind of surprised by because I felt like I was doing a lot of side stuff in it as I was enjoying that world and that game. Prince of Persia The Lost Crown is phenomenal. It is certainly one of my favorite games I've played in recent memory. I'm saying it again this week to tell you to go pick it up because it's really good. Some of those fights at the end get hard, though, like hard. But it's it's incredible. I rolled credits. I'm super happy I did. It's great. You know, you're you you're you were talking about too many games earlier. I really <laughs> want to play Prince of Persia. It looks awesome. I played the demo. I loved it. Maybe it's also because I have two small kids, but I just I don't have time. It's not enough. To be an excellent, to be a very good game these days, yeah. you have to be a fantastic game and appeal to the person that might play. Like, yeah, it's. Uh, I want to play. Yes, we need to get another one though. I think we get a need, need a new one that says "Too many kids." <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I I refuse to let that be excuse. I'm pretty sure my children ate this morning and I've played plenty of Tekken. Like I, I don't understand. They, I don't know where they went, but they no. seemed happy when they left. My daughter has a Jaguar head for a head, but I think it's because <laughs> she also likes Tekken. So 
What are you gonna do? All right, I gotta talk about a game on my list. Another new game. Actually, this is early access release, but I would oh, say Pell World. The game that sold more <laughs> than Tekken and I, Prince of Persia together. The new survival game that's sweeping the nation where you can create all kinds of... Uh, no, it's not Power World. I, I, I played a little Power World last week, but ah, it's not my eight jam million, at all. Eight million. Last week it was like, what, three? Dude, people love the Power World. I don't understand it. I, but I'm they love sure it. many of those are Game Pass, though. Anyway. Well, no, they, it's like eight million on Steam. Did they clarify? Are they? I think like, it's like I think it was like six this? million on Steam. Anyway, oh. that's a lot of people wow. that yeah. it's not on Game Pass. Okay, back anyway. to Tekken Eight. It is so fun. <laughs> <laughs> I want to tell you about a different survival game. Listen, I'm not I'm not somebody that seeks out survival games. Survival games, I've dabbled. I've never find fallen you. in love. What's that? Survival games find you. That's you don't right. Seek well, them that's out. One of the reasons I was excited about that Blizzard one was like, hey, maybe this company will make the one that I love, you know, we'll find a way to find, to, to refine it to a point where I love, you know, what else I haven't liked you guys is uh breath of the wild and tears of the kingdom. Do you know what else I haven't liked you guys? Oh, also <laughs> mostly Christian. I, I really like Patrick. Um, no, the, what if I told you there was a game that was basically a Valheim a game I couldn't get into. Uh, meets Breath of the Wild, a game I couldn't get into, and I'm super into it. <laughs> I don't know why this is the case, but there's a game that just hit early access this week. It's called Enshrouded. Enshrouded. Uh, this is a really cool game that got its hooks into me really fast. And I will cop to the fact that I'm very shallow because... <laughs> I I really think, and I, I've I've kind of had this realization dawn on me very slowly over the last few years, as I've looked at the things that have turned me off and looked at the things that have grabbed me, and I I realized that look and feel plays a huge part in my, you know, this speaks exactly to what you just said, Patrick. Uh, where we're in this world of too many games, we're in this world of so many things are excellent. It used to be all you had to be was excellent to, to capture my attention because excellence was rare. Now excellence is a, a commonplace. There's the, the bar is very high just for competence in video. Like games are really good, well-made now, I think much more than they ever have been. And so now I think because I can't fall in love with everything, my tastes have refined and it's not good enough to just be excellent. You have to also sort of be in my, my wheelhouse, be appeal to my specific sensibilities. And I think look and feel really play a big part in these huge, uh, especially, you know, these games that demand a lot of my time and attention. They're not something I can dabble with. You really have to commit to these worlds and enshrouded nails that right away it is an absolutely gorgeous game uh in the way that valheim just isn't to me like i know that people enjoy that aesthetic and i certainly respect the the choice of that aesthetic but it never was just a place i wanted to be in right enshrouded is immediately a world i'm curious about i enjoy exploring i mean even much more to me and again no offense to anybody 
this is just me, but even much more than Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, those aren't places that appeal to me aesthetically. The, the feel of moving Link around in those worlds just never was satisfying to me on a fundamental base level. And Enshrouded just immediately, four seconds in, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, wow, I like being here. I like the way this character moves. I like moving through this world. So the idea of Enshrouded, the, the, the fiction is, is pretty neat, although not spelled out for you. It is really one of those games where you have to engage with it. A lot of the things people say they like about Elden Ring, for example, is that you have to engage with it and be curious and be really paying attention to all the context clues and little bits of lore that are peppered throughout the world. Such is the case with Enshrouded. It does start with a, a bit of a, uh, a cutscene, but there really aren't cutscenes as you move through the game. It is much more the world explaining itself to you. But you, and so I'm not super clear on exactly all of the the lore here. But you are birthed into this world, you born of fire, and um, you arrive in this world, and it is a world that is enshrouded in certain areas in this very um, damaging and uh, toxic fog. Uh, and part of what you're doing in Enshrouded is delving into this, in, these enshrouded areas and trying to cleanse them. Certainly nothing new there as far as video games have done stuff similarly. But uh, this is a survival game in the sense that you have lots of building and construction uh, options for you all the time, but not in the sense that you're going to be worrying about your hunger or your thirst or your sleep, your exhaustion. Those things are, uh, are, are not in the game. You, you, you have the ability to eat and drink, but those only provide positive things. So when you eat, you get buffs in certain ways. When you drink, you get buffs in certain ways. You have this ability to get rested uh, rewards and fed rewards. There isn't penalties for them. So already... One of the things that are is a sticking point for me in survival games is sort of eliminated. I I, I don't that was like Valheim that as well, where Valheim was very additive, where yes. you wanted to do this because you were stronger, and then you could do more cool stuff instead of I need to do this because right. I'm, I'm passing out. Right. Yeah, now, it's funny in in World of Warcraft back in 2004. Uh, well, before that, when they were testing it. Um, Initially, the rested XP was not rested XP. It was that if you gained more XP than that amount, you would get half XP. And that felt very right. bad. So yeah. they then switched it to actually you gain double when you're rested. And everyone loved it. So yeah. Same thing, it's, different way. Yeah. Lizard <laughs> yeah. brains are lizard brains. Uh, anyway, the um, so another thing I don't really like and still don't like, even in Shrouded, I I want to like building stuff in games, but I, I just don't. I find it extremely tedious to have to build a house. And Shredder does a lot of things to smooth those rough edges in, in the sense that it's a voxel game. You can get really fine detailed and people have made incredible stuff for this game already, like extraordinary mansions and these palatial castles and just incredible stuff. But it also allows you, you get into this build mode and you get this, you know, this cool hammer and it puts you into this build mode where it'll give you, you know, pre-stock made like full walls and with doorways cut out of it. And so it, it gives you the shortcut to just sort of plug and play Lego style your buildings. But I'm still, I still just have no interest in it. 
I, I try to motivate myself, but I, I, I find it so tedious to build things. Um, but you can kind of ignore that. I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff that you get from building things. You can set up, you know, kind of a factory where you're, you know, self-sustained in ways that you wouldn't be otherwise. But much more than that, the game offers this huge, huge, interesting world with different biomes to explore. And there's literally no uh, vendors and no currency in this game. Everything you acquire, you do by either crafting it or finding it. And you can get some really rad stuff. And there's a huge, you know, huge tech tree for, and, and, and there are ostensibly classes, but you start classless. You start as a em- empty vessel, a blank slate, and it has a very uh, sort of path of exile style branching skill tree, um, similar to something in like Skyrim had, had something similar where uh, you start putting points in skills and eventually it leads you down a path to a class. So you sort of find your class by what skills you uh, invest in. And you, there's lots of them, assassins, battle mage, you know, lots of cool subclasses. And you can kind of theory craft your way into some really cool play styles. And there's, uh, you know, there's swords and axes and shields and bows and arrows, but there's also wands and staffs and magic. So you can really... Uh, create the kind of play experience you want. And I find the combat not fantastic, not, oh my gosh, the combat is what brought me to the game, but satisfying and satisfying in the way that it is specifically how I want to be. And there's like hot swap. So you can uh, whittle things down with ranged weapons and then swap into a melee super quick. And you can, it, it, it really is dynamic in that way in that it allows you to, take on the challenges the way you want to. And based on the, the cool stuff that you have found, I, I, I love the world. I love the challenge of the world. So basically what you're doing is, you know, you, you're, you're building cool stuff. You're crafting these neat things. You're finding these NPCs. There's, I think I want to say five or six NPCs that are hidden in the world that you bring back to your base. And then they give you, new things that you can craft because they're there. And they also give you a little side quest to go and do. And in order to get the coolest stuff, you need to venture into these shrouded areas and get resources that only exist there. And you're also going into these shrouded areas to sort of cleanse them. You find these trees, you chop down the tree, it cleanses the area and gets rid of the shroud. But as you go into the shroud, it's killing you. And you have literally a timer on the screen for how long you can be in the shroud. Again, another thing that usually puts me off of games big time. Timer on the screen. Hate it. For some reason, in Enshrouded, I'm into the idea that like it is full-on push your luck. You're, step, you're choosing to step into the shroud. You've got this much time. Maybe there'll be something you, in, you encounter inside the shroud that resets your timer sometimes you can find that stuff sometimes you can't you have ways to mitigate that and get you know allow yourself to survive longer but you are pushing your luck and sometimes you have to go deeper and deeper and deeper into the shroud you're walking down you're like oh no am i going to be able to get out of here because it can't fast travel in a shroud am i going to be able to cleanse this thing in time and then you're fighting the the last guardian the 
I wouldn't say boss, but more like a, you know, a tougher character that's right in front of the, the, the thing you're trying to cleanse and you see that tick, 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 and you're trying to fight it. And it, it raises the tension. It's exactly why people put timers in games and why some people like them. I tend not to, but for some reason here, it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. And again, I think a lot of this is look and feel. I just like being in this place. I like, I mean, the game is very, very pretty. The way the construction stuff works with the voxel is everything is integrated into the environment. So even when you build something that wasn't there or even cooler than that, you can sort of um, red faction-esque just blast into the side of a mountain or knock you know, a hole in something. All of it, when you've done it, looks completely natural. Looks like the game was always supposed to look like that. It doesn't look like you stuck a goofy thing you made on the side of a pretty designer-made part of the game. It all looks beautiful. And, you know, there's these gorgeous sunsets and everything is – I mean, it it supports Super Ultra Ride, so it's beautiful on my big monitor – uh, it supports DLSS. I'm playing it on PC. I think it's only available on PC right now. It's in early access. Uh, I'm playing on a beefy GP, of course. Mileage may vary, but I think the game is is really pretty. It's super fun. It's made to be played with other people. Uh, so you can sort of have division of labor. You can be like, hey, I'm the person who's building the base. You guys go out and do whatever. Or you can all do everything together. Uh, it, you have this cool thing where you bu- have a server. So Anybody on your server, I mean, it it rips off other games, I think, unabashedly. One of the things it rips off from Breath of the Wild is... The Pokemon. Uh, is all the Pokemon. There's Pokemon with guns, though, so it's okay. <laughs> um, uh, no, is, is you go to the top of these towers and that opens up parts of the map. But anybody on your server that has done that, it opens up the map for everybody on the server. Oh, that's cool. So it's rad. So you can have like, hey, I'm you and me, let's go do this while, you know, Bill and Sally build a base. Whatever. You can do that kind of stuff if you choose to. I think that's kind of neat as well. Another thing it rips off from Breath of the Wild is a stamina system. It has this circular little stamina meter that means, you know, if you climb something, your stamina goes down. If you, you can build a hang glider and a grappling hook, although the grappling hook only works on grappling points, not anywhere, which is a bit of a bummer. But anyway, so it's ripping off lots of games. But doing it with style, I think uh, really fun enemies, cool looking bad guys, neat fights. I mean, it's intense. If you die, you drop some of your stuff, uh, soul style. So you have to go find your corpse to get your stuff if you want it. And you're constantly just getting resources, building new stuff. I don't know. I mean, it, it is a gameplay loop that I haven't fallen in love with before, but enshrouded has made me really dig that gameplay loop. And, um, I, you know, the game, again, is only in early access, but it, there's a lot to it there already. And I think this game has a bright future uh, because, you know, they plan to add much more stuff. I think there's four or five biomes already. And, you know, the map is big. There's lots of cool um, things to find and discover. There's little puzzles. Um, it, it's... It's a pretty neat – it's like got a full – what feels like a full role-playing adventure game layer and the build stuff, craft stuff layer, and they're married really, really well. So I am very high on Enshrouded. I think it is a 
really, really cool entrance into this genre and uh, one that has made me kind of appreciate the genre in a way other other successful games in that category have not. When you start a fight, do you hit the fist of the other person you're fighting at the exact same time and then hold it for 30 seconds as you both go, ah, ah, I didn't think so. I'm just saying, if you're looking to play a game with fists hitting fists, Tekken 8 is your game. Well, <laughs> boys, there is a game with hit fists hitting fists, and it's in the VR segment. That's right, because I've played another game this week that I want to tell you guys about. Another new release that just hit VR. Uh, This is a game called Underdogs. Now, in contrast to Enshrouded, which was a whole bunch of things that I have not previously liked, uh, and now I like, this is a whole bunch of things uh, that I already like. Uh, Underdogs is a VR roguelike. I'm already in. Uh, where you're going, um, you know, you're, you're do, taking runs, you're doing runs, and you're trying to uh, improve yourself uh, r- run after run. But what you're doing, uh, uh, Underdogs is a futuristic, post-apocalyptic world where there are robot fights. <laughs> it's robot jocks. It's uh, Rock'em Sock'em Robot. What's the, uh, what was the Hugh Jackman movie? Was that Robot Jocks? Steal something. Steal right, yes. Steal something. Steal something. That's steal something, which is something we don't often name. recommend. Um. Anyway, that game, that movie, real is like, steal, re, real steal. Super underrated movie. Terrible title. Super underrated movie because that movie is really actually pretty good. Anyway, if you want to live out that fantasy, but way more R-rated, <laughs> it's Underdogs. Underdogs has a lot of profanity in it, so you know whatever. Um, but you are in VR, you are a person going into these robot fights with mechs. And I love this game because it sells that fantasy. If that has been a fantasy you've ever had of like, I'm going to be in a robot, I'm going to fight other robots. That's what this game does. You literally, you take your, you know, your VR controllers and at the beginning of every match, you have to grab onto the cool, uh, mech controllers that are sitting inside this cage you're in this you know mech cage first person and you have to grab onto the controllers and it's like all right and so every movement that you do with your cool you know pacific rim style mech controllers is mirrored by the enormous robot arms on the exterior of your mech so it's that you know it's that pacific rim it's that you know name your anime of choice where you do the thing, but the enormous mech around you is mirroring your movements. How enormous is it? It's actually a question. Like, is it? No, mech, it's not like Pacific Rim 30, enormous. Okay, all right. No, it's uh, it's, it's robot like exoskeleton. Jocks it's real steel enormous. Yeah, right. yeah, exoskeleton. Yes, much more uh, aliens. Ripley in the exoskeleton scale, um, which is better. That's I think that sounds cooler. So you go into these arenas and you see how far you can, how long you can survive. You have to kill X number of robots that are coming after you released from these tunnels all around you. And it's a sport, you know, it's less cheering. And and there's like a guy in your ear who's on your team, like telling you like, Oh dude, on your right. Oh, 
oh, that was a great hit. You know, it's just, it's cool. It's cool. And he's cursing at you and stuff. It's like, I'm you guessing get it's better. cooler than the way you just did it. I'm assuming it. I mean, it would have to be because it couldn't be less cool than the way I did it. Um, anyway, the, the key element of this game is that your robot is more akin to like being inside a robotic gorilla uh, in that it has, it does not have fingies, you know, no fingers on its, on its hands. It just has big bulbous bludgeoning devices. Right. And the way gorillas have fingers. No, I'm, I'm I'm aware (laughs) of what gorillas have, but I'm telling you that the arms are long, like a gorilla. And the way you move is by, putting your arms on the ground and pulling yourself forward. So the, and and you can pull yourself sideways to dodge, but you're like reaching your arms out, hitting the ground, grabbing the ground with the button and pulling yourself forward. And if you do with both arms, you're like dashing forward. You can bash your head into things and, or you could do it one arm at a time, like a gorilla, you know, like walking, goom, 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 goom. It's super satisfying. You're moving through the world with, weight and and you know volume uh, and there's you know the these robots coming at you and you swing your arms and bash into them bash your head into them because you're propelling yourself and the game very explicitly tells you we are a physics-based game you're gonna have to swing your arms there's no no like waggle that's going to get this done the farther out you do with these swings the more impact you land and the game does a brilliant job of giving you that feedback that makes everything feel heavy weighted impactful you like feel the metal on metal wham wham things are breaking and cracking you can knock things across the arena there are you know these turbines that are part of the arena you can knock something into a turbine and it gets all crunched up and extra damage and the feeling of pummeling these robots that are coming after you and there's different kinds of robots there's small ones big ones and you're just trying to survive as long as you can in this roguelite style of node to node you know slay the spire style like okay you have a decision to make the node is branch the pathway is branching do you want to go to the shop or do you want to go to this mystery node? Or do you want to, you know, take another fight right now? And you're upgrading your mech in really cool ways where you have the cockpit and each arm have their own upgrades. So you can upgrade the arm whole cloth. You can add things to the arm that does certain things. And each arm can be different. Your cockpit can be different. Each of them have their own health bars. So you can swap things out. If an arm breaks in the middle of a fight, that arm doesn't work as well. It's rad. The, the visual style is cool. It's got, you know, it's dripping with style. I really dig underdogs. It's so much fun. My, the only knock on this game, I would say, other than the fact that it's very much a roguelite. So if you're not into roguelites, you're doing runs, you're going as far as you can. You know, their story, their story and the cutscenes are actually cool. It's very this comic book style cutscene, but done in 3D so that there's layers. It, it looks really neat. But I would say the only knock on this game is that you're going to get sweaty. 
It is a it, workout. It sounds like that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's a game that will make you work out. You're 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 punching. You are I mean, I was in my room. I was like, "Oh, I started playing this." By the way, I'm playing on PC VR streamed via the Steam link to my Quest 3, which hell yeah. But I started playing it in my office and I was like, "I'm going to break something in here." <laughs> I have to go to somewhere with much more open space because I am just swinging my arms like crazy, pushing my arms on the ground and getting really into it. And so if that is not for you, which understandable if it isn't, uh, then this game probably isn't. But I would put this um, in, in, a, in you know, top tier category for Quest 3 experiences. Uh, any PC VR headset, of course, is supported. Um underdogs is what it's called i'm having a blast with it and that's gonna do it for this episode of dlc we do have parting gifts coming up so stick around for those patrick beja it is always so much fun to have you on the show thank you for being with us thank you for having me you know i miss speaking english and being on english language shows so much so this was a delight if you want to hear more your listener from me um i have a couple of french language shows sadly no english language shows anymore uh but le rendez-vous tech and le rendez-vous jeu cover the uh tech news of the week and the gaming news of the week every week and you can find those at notpatrick.com with a bunch of helpful uh links so notpatrick.com is where you will find all of that very, very cool. I urge you guys to take a look at Patrick's content. He's been made, he's been doing it a long time and no one does it better. Very good stuff. Christian Spicer, what do you got going on this week? Uh, I apologize that you've already drafted your email to me, dear economics professor. It's the Friedman Doctrine is kind of held out as the example of the first instance of defining this idea that a corporation has its duty to its shareholders and not to its community. Carnegie this is why, by the way, prior. We, it's why we do the VR segment so Christian can look up <laughs> things while I'm talking. Well, and also as I say them, be like, I really conflated things in my head. My problem is I think everything and then I say half of it. I'm like, it was a problem in Carnegie and that's where that – and people hear only what I say and not what I think. I don't know why that's the issue. It is inconvenient, um, I have to say. Yeah, it, it really is. Inconvenient. And inconsiderate. I'm working on it. Um, not there yet, though. Um, this cool hoodie I'm wearing, if you're seeing the video version, it's actually a warm hoodie. It's a, a comfy hoodie. You can find at store.dlcpod.com. Our new website, dlcpod.com, also has a link to that. This uh, sweet mug I've been sipping out of is also available in the shop. I know some folks have been getting their stuff. If you received yours and you love it, I hope you love it. Send us pictures. We love seeing that kind of thing. Um, I, yeah, I, I we'll really like them. Somewhere. Yeah, I really like the the new merch. Um, so hopefully people are digging that. And then, as I mentioned earlier, I have a newsletter which you can find at christianspicer.substack.com. This most recent one was about the layoffs. It was hard not to be. I think in this this week, it's um, yeah, it's all the feels. But uh, hopefully, folks can find that and enjoy it as well. And then this show is on Threads and Instagram as DLC Hype Train. And we are also on YouTube where we put out on Tuesday and Thursdays video segments of the show, uh, which you can find on YouTube at DLC Pod. If you want to see this cool hoodie or 
see our beautiful faces or Jeff's turtle face. Your beard's coming back. But uh, if you want to see no beard Jeff, you can find that at, at DLC pod on YouTube. Or uh, my, uh, my, my daughter walking into the room. Which was edited out of the audio version. No, no, it's just video segments. I don't put the whole. Oh, I don't put the whole okay. video version up. So that's true. This week, I will just put that in. Just that <laughs> clip. <laughs> um, you can uh, follow me on socials at Jeff Canada. Uh, other shows, the film cast, of course, talking movies and TV shows. Uh, we have concerns, talking science and making jokes, and uh, the fan controlled show, talking sports. All of which are available wherever you get podcasts. Check them out. You just search for my name. Any of them will come up that way too. All right. Let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift. Patrick, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Uh, I have two this show is not long enough already. Um, <laughs> <laughs> apologies. I'll be very quick. I always have to mention Factfulness when I come on this show. It is an incredible book about uh, actual the actual way the world has been going. Love it. Factfulness. There's a new book, though, that I think is joining my list of books that you have to read. It's not the one I'm going to mention now. Uh, Chip War is incredible tells you about the story of the chip industry the the uh from you know its inception to now with the its impact on geo geopolitics incredible book chip war but the new one i want you to remember is africa is not a country it's a book by uh dipo faloyin who is uh uh who essentially explains to white people what Africa is. And I think many of you will say, <laughs> come on, like, I know it's not a country. Um, it goes through, he goes through the history and the, it is eye-opening. Um, it is important. There are many things that I could say about it that, you know, even if you think you are a, uh, uh, you know, someone who understands these these issues, the, obviously, colonization is a central theme in the book. Um, retribution of uh, works of art and uh, cultural heritage is very uh, heavily uh, present in the book. I think, well, maybe not everyone should read it, but certainly people like us <laughs> should read it. Mm. And I, it's going to be a book that I talk about for many years to come. Africa is not a country. Excellent, excellent book. Great recommendation. Great. Christian Spicer, what is your parting gift? Would you believe me if I said it was a pop punk album? Because it is. Alkaline Trio's new album has come out, Blood, Hair, and Eyeballs. Matt Skiba, the lead singer of Alkaline Trio, took a little break from Alkaline for a while and was um, part of Blink-182 on their albums California and Nine. He has gone back to Alkaline Trio, and this album, Blood, Hair, and Eyeballs, is phenomenal alkaline's lyrics have always been fantastic this album is dark but still optimistic if that makes sense i mean it's definitely reacting to things that have happened in the world these past few years and, and they kind of address them head on but it just absolutely rips the album starts with a song called hot for preacher that 
the way the guitar starts in that song, I feel like it should be every athlete's walk-up song. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is just incredible. And what an incredible way to start the album. And the album, I think except for one song, I think Blood, Hair, and Eyeballs, the title track, I think is the only song that has swear words in it, if memory serves. So while the themes maybe aren't appropriate for kids necessarily at all times, the album is very much an album you can listen to in the car, except for that one song. Alkaline Trio's new album, Blood, Hair, and Eyeballs. And they are also on tour. They're touring in support of the album, playing some pretty cool venues. I think it's a great chance to go see them live. Um, I love them. It's, it's really, really good work from them. My parting gift is a tricky one because uh, it's going to be hard for people to um, watch. This is a movie that I actually watched at the behest of uh, my colleague Dave Chen and, and other people who reached out to me and said, you have to check this out. It was playing at Sundance, which uh, has an online component this year and has for the last few years uh, where you can buy virtual tickets and watch. Uh, so this is a documentary I watched uh, on virtual Sundance, but it will be coming out in theaters, not not for a while, but I want to put it on everybody's radar and I wanted to bring it up not just because I watched it last night and it moved me profoundly, but also because Patrick Beja is here. And I think, Patrick, I think this is a movie for you and me in particular. Uh, it's called Ibelin, Ibelin, I-B-E-L-I-N, Ibelin. And it is a documentary about a young man uh, who was born with a very rare muscular disease that caused his body to atrophy over time. Uh, and eventually uh, caused his death. And after he died at the young age of 25, his parents discovered that he had had a very uh, robust online life. He had been playing World of Warcraft and been playing it for tens of thousands of hours because he was confined to a wheelchair. His, um, his body was... Uh, you know, atrophying and, and he uh, he spent a lot of time just playing World of Warcraft and had actually had an entire life there that his parents were not aware of and had friends and had romances all in the context of playing WoW. And this is an incredibly moving story. Um, I was weeping within two minutes of watching it, uh, but I think very powerful and it speaks to what I think all of us agree is special about our hobby and video games uh, in that it, it allows uh, these kinds of relationships to foster. And it was an incredibly positive part of this young man's life. Um, it also, the movie uses video game footage and um, vocabulary, uh, visual vocabulary in a way I've never seen before. And I, and for that alone, it's worth video game fans to check out uh, an amazing work. It's called Ibelin. Uh If you, you know, I, this weekend is the, the end of when you're able to watch uh, Sundance movies. So you can watch it until I think midnight tonight. So most people hearing this won't have a chance to watch it until it, it's out. But I think this is coming to streaming at some point. So keep your eyes out for Ibelin, the documentary. We also got, a listener suggested parting gift. Oh, I love this one. Um, 
Christian, you and I need to talk about this. I, I should have done it before we started. I slipped my mind uh, because this one comes along with some giveaways. We'll have to figure out a way to do the giveaway, Christian. Um, but this is uh, sent to us uh, at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Um, but it, it, well, it's a little, it's not self-serving to me. This is a, this comes from Ryan Elledge who says, uh, hey, I wanted to submit a parting gift that is admittedly self-serving, but one I also hope my fellow DLCers will enjoy. My debut fantasy novel, The Light of Shadows, is out now on Audible, narrated by Mr. Jeff Kanata himself. Uh, He says, Jeff did a stellar job bringing the characters to life, and I'm excited to finally share that work with the world. I think fans of the storytelling in Baldur's Gate 3 and Dragon Age would find a lot to like in the story, and... Just for this gaming community, I have five Audible promo codes I would love for DLC to disperse. The audiobook is also free with an Audible subscription, so if you miss out on a code, don't be discouraged. If you decide to give a new indie author a chance, I want to thank you so much for your time, and I hope you'll be inclined to leave a review. It's the only way to beat the algorithm. So Ryan uh, reached out to me last year and asked me to uh, narrate his debut fantasy novel, and I was delighted to do so uh it's called the light of shadows uh it's fun i do goofy voices and uh, hopefully ryan didn't think they were too goofy but uh, i do you know fun voices for all the characters um and uh yeah it's now finally out so uh christian you and i have to talk about how we'll distribute these uh these codes these giveaways maybe we'll do it for patrons or something um but i hope folks uh give it give it a try check it out if you like fantasy novels it's a fun light, uh, but you know it's got some cool action scenes and stuff in it. It's called The Light of Shadows. Uh, it's got its own um, magic system. Uh, really interesting book. Audible, uh, Audible. Uh, if you're subscribed to Audible, you can get it for free as well. That's right. Well, I mean, That's not right. for free, but within as your part of your subscription. subscription. Yeah, yeah. And hear Jeff talk. Hear me talk more, <laughs> but in goofy voices. Mm. I do goofy voices. Um, <laughs> that's gonna do it. For this episode of DLC, if you'd like to have your parting gift right on our show, send it to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. we got to thank uh, Patrick Beja and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our par- our, uh, our uh, musical contributors. That's Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for those fun bumpers. Our theme song was composed by White Cube, which is Jason Sherry and T. Ryan Arnold. Remember, store.dlcpod.com for merch. Don't forget, you can pick up some cool new merch. Uh, And we do need to thank, first and foremost, or last and most most, our patrons. (laughs) uh, Our patrons who support the show make it possible at patreon.com slash dlcpod. Our top tier patrons, our hype trained patrons, they get their own video game. These games that don't get enough discussion. Scooby Diesel. The diesel-powered Scooby game. We remember it. Some people remember it. Some people remember it fondly. Some people think it ruined the entire Scooby franchise. <laughs> I don't I mean, agree be- with those people. It's before James Gunn got in there and you know put his spin on the Scooby and the gang. Um, I mean, it's definitely a game of its era where... Well, the- casting Vin Diesel as Scooby-Doo... <laughs> Was a bold choice. Pre-Groot. Let's just put it that way. Pre-Groot also. So Pre-Groot, we didn't yeah. know. Well, well, I mean, it was 
the weird thing was they wanted you to know it was Vin Diesel. You know, Groot, like <laughs> you could watch all of the Guardians movies without ever knowing. Yeah, this one it was literally just like, learned right now that it was Vin Diesel as a group. Right. Even though you said it, you just learned it. <laughs> but the 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 character model was literally just a bald Vin Diesel with a shirt that said I'm Scooby Doo on it. And which the collar I, and the collar. He had the collar on, which was like the collar. That's meant a right. lot he, to a lot of people. He did eat Scooby snacks. But hearing Vin Diesel with his gravelly voice go, rut row, <laughs> raggy. Very, very strange, wasn't it? I mean, especially for, I don't know. I, I think I might have played the Sega CD version of this that had the crisper audio. But I think oh. also like hearing that audio back in the day of like, again, a lot of like, fortune telling in this game because i think this was the first appearance of vin diesel saying we're family because it was like we're we're a gang shaggy was like we're all a gang and he was like whoa no we are family which (laughs) yeah it's a collector's item i don't know if anyone has it unsealed Uh, i mean unsealed (laughs) (laughs) if anyone actually played it it would be way worth worth way more yeah uh it was weird that they cast uh the rock as shaggy (laughs) (laughs) well he was much skinnier then i don't know if you looked at pictures of the rock when he was like 28 you know a skinnier (laughs) still a rock but like a skinnier rock you know it was uh it was a great game though uh violent more violent than i would have (laughs) assumed was gonna be a scooby in the gang you know but i'll tell you this they couldn't have gotten away with it if it wasn't for those kids. They, they were murdered, really, what happened. I mean, it was shocking, and maybe this is why The Rock was was shaggy, but when they pulled off the mask of old Mr. Harrison and just ripped his face off, there was no mask. <laughs> just it was just... Pummeled him to the point where he just <laughs> wanted them to stop, you know? Yeah. There was a yeah. cut scene at the end that made me physically ill. <laughs> I mean, Splatterhouse gets a lot of attention from the era, yeah. but Scooby Diesel is the one that put the splat in the house. If you know what I'm talking uh, no, about. No joke. Speaking of splat in the house, Cheesy Bob game. Uh, I I recall that one as well. Again, another game no one talks about. And I think we all know why. No, I'm going to let you continue because I want to see how you transition to Splat in the House. I transitioned from doom and gloom to financial projections to Apple opening up their app stores uh, earlier in the well, show, Jeff. So, no, I want you to continue Splat in the House to well, Cheesy Splat Bob. in the House. Go ahead. It was, you know, it was the, um, you know, I think <laughs> cook, Cooking Mama, you know, there were a lot of, mm, there were mm. a lot of uh, food games, but there weren't any food fight games until Cheesy Bob, uh, the game where you, you know, I think it was an original Wii title where you would throw food, cheese, uh, you would f- face off against Bob who stood at the other end of the house and you would just throw, uh, you know, physically throwing food at each other. You had to dodge uh, chunks of Gouda that were coming at your head. <laughs> oh, the Havarti was always the hardiest. Um <laughs> yeah. Dodge, if you put it I on think. easy, medium, or Havarti. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was it, it was a mess. I mean Velveeta well, was me the cheesiest. The, don't get me started on the sharp cheddar that would just oh. stick right into your character model. Ooh. I mean it, it earned its M for mature rating with the sharp cheddar, though. It did. Like before it's like it felt and I also I feel compelled to say 
uh, Bob is not Bob's big boy, who is no. a registered trademark. This was just a generic Bob that yeah. you're fat, yeah. fighting. I mean, maybe the original version was Bob's big boy, but then kind of like Mike Tyson's punch out, they had to change it at some point. Right. Um, yeah. So it is just well, the, Bob. The the other character was uh, <laughs> the character that looked like Bob's big boy was actually named uh, M Bison. <laughs> <laughs> Only in America, oddly enough. In Japan, Eggman. <laughs> Eggman. <Yeah. laughs> Still a fantastic game. One of those early Wii titles that showed you that motion control was here to stay. Because uh, how much more fun would it be? Just pushing X to throw cheese would not have been nearly as fun than uh, physically throwing the cheese at Bob. You know, and the the mini game that. Uh, came before the Switch version of Milking the Cow, the minigame of Making the Cheese, where you use the oh, Wii yeah. remote to really milk the cow. Craft, the crafting was off the charts because you, you had incredible. to churn the butter. Mm-hmm. You had to, uh, I don't know how you make, how do you make cheese? You had to stick your, your hairy <laughs> arms into the vat to make you had the to, mozzarella. The <laughs> you had to leave the game on for two days to let it curdle, you know? <laughs> If you left it on for three days, though, it all went bad. And you oh, yeah, you didn't again. want that. But you, don't want, you, didn't, you had to make that Parmigiano-Reggiano. You know, you had to you'd put it in a cellar for a while, really let it age. Yeah. Wow. Uh, we, got, we, are, we are indebted to our, uh, our wonderful hype train patrons, Scooby Diesel and Cheesy Bob, for uh, helping us remember those wonderful games. If you'd like to have your own game mentioned by us, become a hype train patron at patreon.com slash DLC pod. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. Go Niners. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.